You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the We're Not Worthy. We're Not Worthy. We're Scum. We suck. Uh, If I was invited to a post game, whatever it would be, conference, anything in the presence of Daryl Sutter, if I was invited out to a party and Daryl Sutter would be, that's how I'd be acting right now. What his this. name? Do why doesn't he have a key to the city? Why isn't he made? What the shit? I just like every time I'm watching hockey games this season, and especially the last two hockey games in particular that the Calgary Flames played. I'm just like, I can't believe we fucked around for so long with this, with 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 these coaches. Like, holy cow! Like, what a delight it is to watch hockey again, man. Well, and that was our biggest thing back then. And I guess it still is the question. Now that we have a good coach, it's different, but is it that hard to find a good coach? And listen, we this is with Daryl Sutter with this team right now is an absolute grand slam through 20 games. Okay. But when we were stuck in the dog days of Gullison, followed by, I mean, the first year with War was excellent. But then the second year, Peters was like, what? This guy is actually an amateur, it turns out. And he had no response in the playoffs. He got fucking bitch slapped in the playoffs. Sure did. And then you and then you just degrade yourself down to fucking Jeff Ward? And we're sitting here for fans for, what, three and a half out of four and a half seasons? Just being like, why? Pain, in pain. <laughs> Painfully looking at how bad the coaching is on a night-to-night basis. You as a fan sitting at home could make better decisions. That's what it felt like. And we were asking, is, is it really that fucking hard to find a, head, uh, a good head coach? A good head coach. All you got to do is like uh, what? Take the QE2 out. Where, where, is he, where does he live? Where's the Sutter farm? It's blanking him. I want to say Vulcan, but that's not true. Wherever the shit up north it is, just take the hour and a half drive. Head up there. There's you know coach. what? Like... If you if we follow his thread of just pressers and you know the message behind the meaning and all that shit, his his main driving kind of message that I can pick up for the team is play hockey the right way every single night. That is the end goal for Daryl Sutter because when he looks at winning, when he looks at playoffs, success. That's how he's reverse engineered it. And because you keep hearing him say it in the post games, it's a process for a lot of these guys to learn how to play hockey the right way. They said it again after the game against the Islanders. 
every time we have a, a pretty damn good win. I mean, you look at the last two games on our last podcast, we're looking at the rest of the road trip. You know, we had Philly, then Buffalo, and then you had the Islanders back to back with Boston. You say, fuck man, that's a, that's a tough end of the road trip. You got the New York Islanders, their home opener, like in a, in a brand new building, like they're going to be jacked. Then you got Boston, one of the best teams in the league in the last, what, forever? 25,000 years. At home. Yet, you come in there and you play two incredible games of hockey. Just incredible games of hockey. Are those the two best games we've seen this season? Those, I mean, those are what we would call big boy big boy wins. Those are, that's big boy hockey right there. That's big boy. <laughs> when was okay? I was curious. When was the last time we've seen big boy hockey? Big boy wins before back to back consecutively in a matter of 48 hours. Maybe under Jeff or not, I keep on Jeff, maybe under Bill Peters when, but even under Bill Peters, man, it was just a comeback kiss. We just had the sweet, sweet magic. Yeah, it was it wasn't like score, it wasn't, score, score. It wasn't your structure that was, I guess, I guess in a sense it was because we were just basing everything off the rush. So in a sense, structure was helping you in games, but we were trailing all the fucking time. And what, you know what I mean? It's different. The only record, yeah. The only recollection I have of this, I mean, I tweeted this because, like, if you break this down, here's what here's what it looks like on a night to night consistent basis right now. The Calgary Flames give up virtually nothing five on five. I mean, yeah, the other team gets chances, but they don't give up much. The PK is world class. I got to tell you, I don't know if we're ranked number one in the league, but we must be the current best penalty kill in the league. It's definitely the most effective, like, oh, and I mean, two, two short. Did they count the backland thing shorthanded tonight? I don't remember, but <laughs> now we're scoring on our penalty kills. Right. Those two things with world-class goaltending. I mean, both goaltenders have been incredible. And then in the offensive zone, they just grind it out. Like this team is grinding. Even our star players are starting to grind. Johnny Gaudreau man, oh le- man. leveled some guy today. <laughs> How many times has he leveled somebody in his career? A handful of times? Well, there, there's a there's a chance tonight Gaudreau doesn't score in it, but they showed a good reverse angle of it that I think just like encapsulate what you're talking about. It was like the puck's dumped into the Bruins end, and you see it was like a, it was like an end board shot. Matthew Kachuk is bearing down on the D-man, bearing down. And gets right on the forecheck. Who's right behind him, bearing down? It's Johnny Gaudreau. Chuck crits turnover. Johnny almost scores. Like it's just like that's against the Boston Bruins. Oof. I think it was after the Buffalo game that Daryl says the the top line is just as good as any in hockey right now. The way they're producing, and he's right. But to sum all this up, you take all those points, real class goaltending allowing virtually nothing at five-on-five, world-class, penalty-killing, and then the offensive zone, you're just grinding out teams. Like, And it's consistent. It's relentless. And they're just generating chances. And, I mean, they get, we're starting to see waves. I mean, there's not a shitload of skill in the top six, but, man, flipping uh, Backland and Monaghan is starting Huge to pay some difference. serious dividends. Hey. Now, the back line isn't, well, I guess, Bonji plan to score two more goals again. 
outside of Mangiapane, the back line isn't really contributing too much offensively five on five, but I, I don't know this. I'm sure maybe you've looked, but you would like to think that defensively they're probably allowing a zilch. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, I think that's still true of the top line too. Kadrow and Kachuk still, I, we, I, this is, we keep saying this. Still haven't been on the ice for five on five goals against those two guys. What the still? shit is that? They still, still have not been on the ice. Five on by five. the way, they might have the way, okay. They that might actually not be true. Or they might have been on the ice for the that Brock Nelson goal, the Lindholm giveaway. Goal? But that was was that a power play? Yeah. Even so, let's say they're on the ice for one five on five goals against your top line. Like this is turning into a line that the Flames have long wanted. Jeff Ward tried to do it with with uh, no strategy behind it, but a line that a top line they can go toe to toe with every other line in the league. Yep, 100%. that's what they have right now. Are you talking? Oh, maybe you're talking about the second Nelson goal. Yeah, that one that looked like it didn't go in. Yeah, can't remember. But I mean, you take all 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 that defense PK. I mean, does this not remind you of 04? This this the way that this team is playing right now reminds me of 04. It really does. Oh, 100. percent And it reminds me of when, like, it's just Daryl Sutter hockey, right? Like. Man, and it's just it's it's not even it's not even that it's like fun to watch. Winning is fun, but it's just nice to have consistent structured hockey on a night to night basis. Well, you're starting to know what to expect. Exactly. Like, the, like yeah. And that was the biggest thing in the past three and a half seasons. It's just like who's gonna show up tonight? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, or their weird and wacky offspring with fucking three eyeballs. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's been it's been great again like like he said even after the islanders win because again they like the island that's a game they lose 10 times out of 10 last two three four or five seasons um but they managed to hang in there and like daryl was talking about it's a, it's a process for a lot of these guys to learn to play these big tough hard games and the flames played a big tough hard team against the islanders last night and again against the bruins and they beat them both they in, bent in ridiculously convincing fashion tonight against the Bruins. Well, you hear that saying they bend, but they didn't break against yeah. the Islanders. They didn't even fucking like their bend was like it was like those dull, you know, those little clown <laughs> things you punch and they come right back up. Like that's what they were against the Islanders. Yeah. And, you know, Markstrom has a really good game against the Islanders and probably, you know, like first period, he was fantastic. And, but again, did that game ever feel in doubt? It was always within control. No, you go up early. It was a Brad Richardson, right? Yeah. Brad Richardson's fuck. That was a beautiful goal. A terrible turnover. But well, again, like how the four check dude, like that's the thing yep. that's just impressing me the most is just pressure on pucks in all three zones. It's like checking yep. every time there's a puck, the flames are on it. It's ridiculously amazing. Well, and here's the thing games 10 through 12, you're just uh the results you're getting are, are basically due to buy-in, right? Games 13 to 25 now are going to be getting better at what you've bought in too. And that's what we're starting to see. That's why you can start to, like we said, it's not, you're not wondering who's going to show up and play. You're starting to expect a certain style of play every night. And outside of Montreal, these guys haven't taken a night off. Not one. And I mean, look, 
seven game road trip. You're playing what was it? Seven games in eleven nights, like fucking unbelievable. Yeah. To to finish off what was already a, a a pretty okay road trip, you just made it a great road trip against two of the best teams in the league. You know, like the Islanders, like they've been to the Eastern Conference final and gone toe to toe with Tampa Bay the last two seasons and Boston, who is perennially amazing. So, man, I am left the last two games super impressed. Super impressed, uh, gaining confidence by the day. You look at all the stats, the metrics across the board. I mean, it's a it's a yo-yo with Edmonton for first place in the division, but Currently, after tonight, we'd sit atop of the division again. 11-3-5 now. Oh, man, just... I, we're, I think this team is for real, man. And as long as they can... Like, the buy-in is incredible, right? And sometimes when you go through bad coaching like you did with Jeff Ward... And we've 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 mentioned this a few times on this podcast. When those guys are playing for Ward, they're smart enough to know that their coach is a doofus. <laughs> They'll never ever say it publicly. They might not even talk about it much privately, but they all know. And so when Daryl Sutter comes along, remember how jacked everybody was? Everybody was like so excited for those first three practices. You know, the interviews after the practices were like, holy shit, yeah, wow. What's what's been the biggest difference? Oh, just the pace. It's just it's so quick. The practices are so quick. So sometimes when you go through, you know, a bout of bad coaching, it can be a blessing if a good coach comes in because the their team can buy in right away. And kudos to these players for buying in because. Sometimes they don't. And typically when a guy like Daryl Sutter is at the end of his coaching rope with a specific team, it's because they start to lose buy-in, right? And eventually that will probably happen to this team, but that's not where they're at right now. And as long as they're seeing the results and they can refine their game, whatever they're buying into now, they're just going to get better at it. So I think this team is for real. Like you've said it a number of times, the issue is going to be, can they score enough? And we've been saying what Daryl's been saying is, okay, the biggest way to combat that big question is the special teams, and they have been winning the special teams battles. Well, yeah, you win the Islanders game because of the special teams, right? Like the Islanders play the Islanders, who are probably the closest team, I think, in terms of comparable to how the Flames play and personnel. Not a ton of skill, but you got your high-end guys like Barzell, Goudreau. Um, Barzell's good. Yeah, rely on a pretty big decor, and you have a lot of big boys in the bottom six grinding it out, and obviously Barry Trotz. So the Islanders kind of uh, bested the Flames at their own game at five on five, but Markstrom was great, and you scored two power play goals, and you only let one power play goal in. So, like, man, man, like that's. <laughs> but in the span of 48 hours, you played a perfect, a near perfect five on five game against the Bruins, and your goaltender and special teams won you a game against one of the best five-on-five teams in the league in the Islanders. So can't ask for much more than that. Okay, let's break down the Islanders here. Um, game report, Islanders out shooting 36 to 31. Man, the I don't know what you, but I thought the refing was just atrocious. It was, it was like absurd. 
the refing uh during this this road this oh road it's road been trip. the whole thing like three or four games there's been noticeably horrendous i think buffalo was okay the philly game was weird the montreal game obviously but they were literally calling everything in on the island and then nothing in the third that was weird but Calgary goes two for four on the power play. Islanders go one for six. There you go. Shot attempts, 34 Calgary, 38 Islanders. Scoring chances, 19 Calgary, 25 Islanders. High danger, 12 for the Islanders. Whew, yeah, Jacob Markstrom had a hell of a first period. To fire for the Flames. And the Islanders carry the expected goals percentage, 60 to Calgary's 40. Like you said, if you right look at the underlying numbers for this game yes the islanders were better for the majority five on five but it didn't feel like the ice was slanted all night no he goes Craig goes up early and i thought they did actually a good job protecting the league lead yeah they they kind of shut it down pretty good like i said marsham was phenomenal all game, but I mean, in the first period, I thought he, like, I was watching the highlights, and it's like t- five minutes in, and he's made like six 10-bell saves, and it's like, it's not even done the first period yet. It's, it was made yeah. a lot of good saves, so, but again, like, I thought they shut it down, you know, pretty good for the most part, for playing the Islanders in a huge, in a rocking crowd. It, it just was never side. in, it was never in doubt, right? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, like, we're starting to see this enough times now that when we go up one nothing, I'm not shaking my pants anymore. <laughs> when we go up two nothing, I'm like, we're probably gonna win this, but who knows? When we go up three nothing, I'm like, fuck, this one's pretty much done. Well, and- I think I think Chuck summed it up pretty good in his uh, I think it was his second period interview tonight during the intermission, second intermission, and Leslie's like, Well, what do you gotta do? And he's like Yes. Treat this like we, we have to get the next goal and we have to frustrate them. And that's what they did. So my question to you is, yes, because that was brilliant. When Chucky gets interviewed, you see that you're like, holy fuck, man, these guys are going to come ready for the third. Yeah. This isn't going to be like what we've seen the past two, three seasons. And my question is, where does that come from? What's you know changed? where it comes from. <laughs> exactly. We all know where it comes from because we haven't heard them say that. Chucky hasn't said anything like that since he's been here. When you're up two nothing on the road, closing out a road trip, and Leslie asks you what you need to do in the third, he says, "Well, we got to act like it's the next goal wins, or we need the next goal. Like that's what we're focused on." You know where you know where that comes from. <laughs> you you know, it's like you're not getting any bullshit. Like it's just good. It's just goals. It's simple things like Dale's talking yep. about, you know, setting yep. micro goals during a game and, and boy, did it pay off. It makes the mix. Look at the, the level of focus on these guys, man. Right. Like it's almost arousing. <laughs> almost. <laughs> well, but almost. <laughs> so Manji Pony scores two goals Holy against shit, the dude. Islanders. Oh man. And uh, like, I don't know if I'm keeping everybody update on this because it's happening so fast, but Brett Tressley, the uh, the Winnipeg Jets fan who apparently thinks Manji Apani is just a bottom six forward who's overrated and just a fan favorite in Calgary. And that's that's pretty much what he amounts him to. What was it? Uh, he, he It was when he came out of the terror, him and Lindholm both had seven goals. Yeah. 
And so we were trolling him a bit. And he's oh yeah, yeah, whatever. Like just wait in two weeks, he'll fall down in the in the, in the rankings. He said calmly when he has 20 goals. <laughs> two weeks later, he's got 15. <laughs> and he's like, second in the league. People were at the time, people were like, oh fuck, he's gonna have 20 goals by the, the uh Olympic break. Yeah. And now people are like, he's gonna have 20 goals by Christmas. <laughs> he's gonna have 20 goals by next. Like, dude is on a tear right now. An absolute tear. Um, second in the league in goals right now, only but behind keeping, Leon Dreisaitl. Keeping pace with Alexander Ovechkin. That's that's how good Manji Pony is. And again, if you're on the Team Canada watch, yeah, he obviously he's second in the league in goals. He's leading every Canadian-born player in goal scoring. So, if he continues at this pace, he will be on the team. One hundred percent. Like he is. He is now. Gone from long shot to like he has a chance to make Team Canada. If he continues at this pace, he will definitely be on the team. Even if he continues at eighty percent of this pace, totally, he would probably make the team. And his, you know, the biggest thing in his favor is how he played on the world stage. What six months ago? But my question to you, because this came up on Twitter, and somebody's like, "Yeah, watch him get offer sheeted." And I want to talk about this because repeatedly this has been a discussion point. Something you've been, you've been pushing on really concerning is that how does Bradtree living tie up Kachuk, Goudreau and Manji Apani, basically your top three players in the off season. And at this rate, Manji Apani, I don't know, like how is he going to do it? And how, Worried should we be that a guy like Maji Pony gets offered sheeted? Well, I think you're you'd be more worried if there wasn't uh if offer sheets were a more common occurrence in the NHL. Because usually they're pretty um they never happen. Like they never happen because GMs are bitches. But like if you're a GM and you're looking at the Calgary Flame, like how how more perfect a situation could present itself to offer sheet a player flames are going to be in big time cap trouble. Like at this rate, Johnny Gaudreau is going to get what? 90 points, hundred points. It's getting over a point a game. So I think any illusions of like, Oh yeah, Johnny will kind of be in their seven, seven and a half, eight range. I think that's dwindling every single game. When you have to sign Gaudreau and Chuck, how could, how like he is the perfect, could be the perfect situation for an offer sheet. And if he keeps it up, I don't see how somebody doesn't take the chance. It's not even a chance. Let's say you offer sheet him eight million. You probably get him because how are the Flames going to afford to do that? Why wouldn't Ken Holland do it? Totally. I mean, it's it's a feud now between the the Hurricanes and the Habs. Yeah. There's already a feud between the Oilers and the Flames. Why wouldn't he do it? I, I, if you're, if you're a team who wants a goal score, who's like what, 25, it's one of the best situations. It's a perfect situation to ask for for an offer sheet. Team in, team in cap trouble with other players that have to sign big money deals. I'd be all over that if I'm an, if I'm an opposing GM. Okay. Well, he's probably not going to score, but I keep saying that. I'm like, well, he's going to cool down. Right? Dude, come on. He's not fucking cooling down. This guy is the talk of the league right now. And 
you like, know, they're like, talking. Manji Pawnee is getting just as much airtime as Connor McDavid is currently. I'm not even kidding. So, like, what do you? What would you project? Like, let's say he scores 35, 40 goals this season. What is he going to get? He's getting more than Sean Monahan. Who he's getting what? He's at getting least, seven plus. He's getting at least six point two, at least. Like, <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how that's going to work. Man, Lucic's contract could not expire soon enough. Eh? Got one more year after this, right? It is killing you. It oh, is Mon- Monahan's is killing you too right now. Well, at this point, you move Monahan no matter yeah. what. Yeah, even even if you didn't have your contract. <laughs> but then he what? He, 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 he only has a five team. I think he's got one. a ten team no trade clause. Okay, well, tens is a lot better than five. Yeah. Fuck. So you move heaven and earth. In my opinion, you move heaven and earth to make sure that those three guys are here next year because Brad, you, you offer your wife up, Brad, dude, <laughs> you offer sweet... every share of Boston pizza you have because like right now, Goudreau and Mangiapane are two of the top 10 players in the league. And it's like, it's not like, yeah, they're, they're kind of two of the top 10 players in the league. They're kind of like in the mix. They are two of the top 10 players in the league right now. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's even debatable. And I mean, Kachuk has been very good and will be very good all season. So you, you have like these three guys are combined with Jacob Markstrom have been driving this team. So like you have to figure out a way to, to get them locked up for next year. You have to. And as much as people argue, and I, I understand the arguments that Lucic and Monaghan still have value to this team. Sure they do. Sure, but you can't afford them for the value they bring. You can't like afford that value at $11 million. You are way overpaying for the value that they bring. And I'm not saying that they don't bring any value at all. They do. And watch, if we make the playoffs, it's going to be depth guys like Monaghan that fucking um, you know, start lighting up. Watch him go on a tear for three weeks in the playoffs on the third line and just help you you know, get past each round. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves, yeah. but I'm just I'm just saying this. He's the type of player that that's that would be the case, right? You can yeah. see it happening because you've seen it happen a million times. Well, I yeah, I even think back to the Daryl Sutter years where it's like Mike Richards was a very different player than Sean Monahan, obviously, but lowering the depth chart was absolutely essential to those Kings uh, runs. So I don't know. It's it's like honestly, it's kind of. It's kind of a buzzkill, you know. Goudreau is playing amazing. Mangiapane scoring every night, and then it's just like, it's it's on the front of everybody. It's front of mind for everybody. It's like, fuck, how are we gonna afford this if these guys don't cool off? It is a bit of a buzzkill. I mean, that that's was the situation previous seasons with the coaching, right? So like you're trying to get excited for last season, but Jeff Ward's still your coach, so pretty much a major buzzkill. And it is. It's just like Brad Tree Living has just kind of fumbled his way through the last three seasons. That it, I don't know what the like. I if he would have you know pulled something out like a Jack Eichel deal, then I would have more faith that he could pull something off like this. But how the fuck is he going to do it? I've never seen him make like the dude couldn't even figure out how to get rid of Fro Leak so he could sign Chuck long term. You know, like I he he has yet to pull swindle anything like sure some good moves have been made but i we have yet to see a move that's like wow brad she living had a plan executed it quite well 
it's like all of his good moves he's kind of just like stumbled into i i I don't have a lot of faith he's going to be able to pull this off in the way he needs to. He needs to hit a home run, and it's like we we've seen him maybe hit a couple singles in his career. So, well, how do you do scaring it? Scaring me. How do you do it in the off season? Because that's probably when he's going to have to do it. Wouldn't it be easier if you were struggling to try and find a suitor looking for some depth that might be able to afford Monahan down the stretch? Yeah, if you, you have were, to. if you if you weren't in the playoff picture, but this team's going to be, so they're not going to be getting rid of him because. I don't know. Anyways, we're trying to kill the buzz. We're trying to kill the buzz too hard. Well, thanks. it is on everyone's mind, right? Like, thanks, Brad. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. So, Trevor Lewis, your buddy, scores his first of the season in this Isles game. Empty netter. Johnny Gaudreau, empty netter. After the game, Daryl says he's talking about the centerman playing down low and being physical down low and i think he says whatever one goal i think this is the Islanders game he was saying this yeah this was the one guy wasn't low yeah that causing the goal one guy wasn't like and then he he says quote it's a process for our team to learn how to play in really hard physical games don't you love hearing that after you fucking win in a really hard physical game i sure do instead of hearing about how great everything is and like man what a difference and like the, he was talking again last night, like it's like the Islanders are like we set off the top of this big boy teams. Like that is a big, is there a bigger big boy team than the Islanders who have been to this, the Eastern conference finals the last two of the last three years, you know, like that is such a huge win. Well, it's like, he's been saying both him or both Island and the Bruins. These are teams that they've been playing the right way, the right style of hockey for, how many consecutive seasons now? Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at that goal, just speaking of Monaghan, I'm just watching it right now. Like, dude is like way out of position. And I mean, Zadorov and Gabranson, a, a bad, a terrible soft play by Zadorov. But yeah, Monaghan's up by the blue line when the puck's in the slot. So, so Zadorov is out. Balamaki's in for tonight's game against Boston. Valimaki looked good in the first half of the first period, but he, in my opinion, really struggled after that. Yeah. I mean, he took that bad penalty. He, he wasn't like noticeably terrible. Well, he had, he had one bad turnover for sure. Yeah. But he, I don't know. Do you attribute that to him being out so long? He wasn't good, right? Like (laughs) I didn't think he was particularly good. But um, no. what did he play? Eleven minutes, five on five, which I thought it was actually more than he was going to get. He was okay. Um, I don't know if he. Again, he's been off for ten games. Does he earn a spot in in the next game? I don't know. Well, and how fucking eh. lows your the confidence, right? Yeah, it's like in the shitter right now. So you know, you, we've we've said this many times. One of Daryl's strengths is working with players. I mean, him and Kirk Muller, they got to fucking get Yusuf Alamaki going. At what at what point do you see him try Michael Stone over those two? Yeah, I'm curious. I the only reason I think is because he loves righty lefty, so he would have to take Gabranson out. Gabranson's um, not coming out, dude. And Gabranson, okay, holy shit! I forgot to mention this. I feel like a friggin' moron. In the last episode, I'm talking about how old the guy is. I'm like, man, he's sure playing good for a guy who's 36. Man, good on him. Good. And then, like, you text me later. You're like, yo, what are you talking about? Cabranson's 29. He's 29. What? 
He's a spring. year older than Johnny Gaudreau? Dude, he's a spring chicken, bro. What the shit? Have you Bubba seen that Bubba. guy? He looks like he's like, he could be my dad. Like, he's gray in his beard. What is that? Anyways, my bad. I felt like a friggin' moron. Um, sorry, Eric. And I, jeez, Louise, I, I cannot believe that he's not 30 yet. And I also then found out that, do you know he was drafted third overall in 2010? Shut up. Yeah. So Taylor Hall goes first, Tyler Sagan goes second, and Gabranson goes third. Where? To Florida. Fuck off. Had no clue. Like, I I must have confused him with somebody else or just because he's been around the league so long. Like, I literally thought he was, like, 35, 36. So sorry, Gabranson, and sorry for being a moron to everybody listening. Jeez. You do have the team's best current mustache, though. Yeah. Like by far, and he's like, yeah, he looks like a cop, like a cop you would not fuck with. So, but yeah, I don't think a Branson's coming out. Where is Dubay's mustache? His 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 mustache is like his play. It's MIA. Yeah, it's lacking. It's lacking quite extensively. Um. Yeah, I think Tyler Pitlick's easily been the best player on that line. Yo, Pitlick's been great the last two, three games because working his balls off. I really like Pitlick. I like him a lot. Him and uh, Richardson. Fuck. Yeah, shit. I mean, yeah. Give it her, dude. Like, watch Richardson in his own end how hard he works down low. It's unbelievable. And I mean, hey, I'm not saying it translates into, you know, plays all the time, but the guy just fucking give it her. Yeah. And you said this, I think, in like, um, we were talking preseason about like, hey, what is Lewis? What do guys like Lewis and Richardson give you? And you were like, well, what they do is give Daryl, uh, every time he puts him on the ice, he knows what he's getting. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, when you go through the refinement process that is the Daryl Sutter style of coaching and you come out the other end, Daryl knows who you are now because you become an honest player. He's This is what he's talking about when he's talking about being honest in the game, don't cheat the game, play it the right way. When you start to do that all the time, it's just like life, right? It's just like being in a relationship. You just start to trust that person. You know exactly what they're going to do for you. You put them out there. And I could see how when you're on a seven game road trip, and you're on your last two games, and it's like you're playing it every other night, some back-to-back nights. You're playing seven games in 11 nights. Or whatever, whatever. Yes, I think it was something ridiculous yeah. like that. How you would like to just know that when you put guys out, what exactly what they're going to give you, right? When you know you have to roll lines in order to survive. And look, they're not the greatest skilled players in the league. Far from it. But is Lucic not slowly starting to turn into this as well? No, I, I mean, think, he, yeah, for sure. When, he, when he's out there, it's very, you know what you're starting to get from Lucic. The guy's had, like, like what, 30 hits this in the past five games? This is the fucking wrecking ball out there. So, yeah. I don't know. The, uh, the fourth line identity is, is starting to come to form, and it's actually having an effect. There's a few, even the bottom six as a whole, right? There's a few shifts especially on the island, I thought, where it's just like they were grinding, they're grinding, grinding it. 
down low in the offensive zone, grinding their team down. Well, and that's something that I think speaks to the the bigger picture here of like Daryl's like he's not here to fuck around. Even in training yep. camp, everybody's like, oh, where's Matt Phillips? And, you know, I was like, oh, I'll kill myself if Phillips is not on the team and Brett Ritchie is. And it's like the goal is to win games. Like we're not screwing around with prospect development. Like it's different from player development, but it's like he's here to win. Dude, I have completely forgotten about Brett Ritchie. Sorry. Totally for mentioned his name. Talk about a buzzkill. But shit, I was just looking at hits. So Lucic has 45. Um, this season, Trevor Lewis has 43, Blake Coleman, 38, Tyler Pitlick, 33. Those are some heavy and Matthew Kachuk also 23. There's some heavy, heavy. Those are some heavy minutes being played and heavy hockey being played by some of those bottom six guys. Johnny Gaudreau has one. <laughs> hey dude, it was a, it was a beauty. He's got three. It says, well, Hey, I don't give a fuck. Well, you're not expecting uh what was he five two? No, I know he's five eight or whatever, five ten. But fuck. Johnny, how good is this guy playing? Unbelievable. Dude, I like seriously, maybe we forget how dominant he was. I've never seen him play like in, in 2018, 2019, but I've never seen him play like this. It's like it's I don't think it's that he's like working harder. It might be a little bit, but the dude is just He's not a wrecking ball, but it's kind of the term I'm looking for. Like every shift, he's like he's he's well, more he's playing like, like more like Mangiapane than like he man, slices oh man. and dice. He slices and dices the Fuck yeah. the opposition, dude. Just so dangerous on every shift. And they're pointing out a few of his strong defensive plays tonight against the Bruins, and it's totally true. Like I, he's definitely not oh, going to win the Selkie. He's, he's and he's not going to win the Selkie in time soon but he's just making a lot of smart plays and is just every time he's on the ice is very effective hey folks we'll get back to the show in a moment just a quick word from our sponsor DraftKings Sportsbook the NHL season is underway DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unreal offer new customers can bet just one dollar on any NHL game and win a hundred dollars in free bets if either team scores a goal if Sportsbook isn't available in your state or country yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed as everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets. Either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. You gotta be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Absolutely. A lot of his, yeah, you see a lot of his back checking highlights. Yeah. After the Buffalo game, Daryl says Johnny lit it up tonight. But he had 10 shots on net. That breakaway goal he scored? Oh, that was the Philly game. But still, yeah, holy shit, dude. No, that was fucking Buffalo, wasn't it? Was it? He had 10 shots? One of the games, I think he had 10 shots in Philly and then had like five in Buffalo and scored a goal. Yeah, I'm talking about the, the breakaway goal he scored in Buffalo. Yeah, that was wicked. What that a was frozen rope feed from Kachuk, too. Holy fuck, man. How many times is, is that combo going to connect, eh? Breakaway oh. pass to Johnny. He Holy did it again smokes. tonight, eh? 
Yeah, he was. He yeah, he you can see him. Chucky's looking for him all the time up there. See, um, from the one angle tonight, was it uh, what's the goaltender's name? I'm Boston. Yeah. Oh, Swayman. Swayman. He gets a piece of that, hey. From the one angle, yeah, on, yeah. from the opposite side, you can tell it just literally gets a sliver of his arm, and then that was enough to make it ricochet up off off the crossbar. Otherwise, that's shelf, dude. Johnny has that shot down. He's got that shot down, and it's such a crazy shot. Like it's not hard. It's not. It's like just pinpoint accuracy, but not even where it ends up. It's like it's like some math. Sh- it's like some geometry shit. Like the angle is just perfect. Well, yeah, I don't even know if it's stoppable unless yeah. you literally lift your arm up to try and stop it. It's going over because it ends up in the perfect spot. But also, like when you like even the the one similar he scored against Jari against. Uh, with Pittsburgh, it's like the angle it takes to get to the top corner is just pinpoint perfect. And his release is so deceptive too, eh? Oh, totally. Because like I think they mentioned it, he's got his like hands way higher up on his stick than a lot of guys, and it just flies off his stick. It's crazy. It's like a slingshot. Yeah, it's like he kind of slices his yeah stick. It's like hard to read. It's but I remember when he uh, remember he went for like oh for thirty <laughs> consecutive five. He was trying games. five hole. Yeah. Jesus. Just keep going shelf, Johnny. Yeah, n- never again go five holes. Even if it's in the scouting report, dude, just for all the reasons we explained, it's still got a good shot going in. Okay, let's wrap up this Boston game. Four nothing tonight. Um, Johnny has the first one time timer off a rebound, and then Noah Hannafin scores the same way. People were saying it looked like a set play. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that was the scouting report. I think it's just more of a Daryl Sutter. Like one of the things he talks a lot of is a shot mentality, shooting all the time. So, was that uh, Chucky in his interview saying that Noah was like, "I'm going," so he just knew to throw it throws the net? I think he was talking about that. Monty Pony gets the cleanup on Dubay's. It's funny, eh? Dubay goes down. Dubay's just working his ass off, like five attempts on net. Monty Punch is like, here, let me do it for you, bud. Here's how it's done. But if you look at that replay, the way Monty Punch just cleans it up, it's not like he gets to puck and then shoots it automatically. He knows he has to change the angle. He pulls the puck back and then shoots it. It's like this guy has so much confidence right now to make that type of play. Because the thing is, I mean... Look, it's one thing when we go out and we play like shinny or whatnot. When you go down to an NHL game and you watch on ice level, like there's no time. Like these guys have no time. It looks like they have time from a cop, but it doesn't look like you have time when you're on the ice. So for Manji Pawnee, man, like this guy has some sort of confidence to be some pulled, sort of confidence <laughs> to be pulling off those plays and just scoring two goals a night. This guy, Leandro Isaiah. No. I mean, if it wasn't for that freak, he'd be in the league lead. Like, I don't know how sure I saw his 18 and 17, but like, it's just on wild. On pace for and like, dude, years. like, I, I still think Manji Pony, a lot of he generates, he still like could work on his finishing, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> like, he generates so many chances, he could have like 20 goals already. It's ridiculous. Dude, this guy is so good right now. Typically, it's Johnny Gaudreau that when he gets the puck through the neutral zone, you're just like, oh, wow. Now when Mangiapane gets the puck through the neutral zone, he's cutting. He, he gains yeah. the blue line. He's cutting in and he's protecting the puck, and he's shifty. He's smooth. 
it's like, holy fuck, man, this guy is playing good. Like, he is legit good. <laughs> legit good. Yeah. It's nice to see Backlund get one. Hey. That's about time. Typical Backlund goal. <laughs> was it in? I mean, honestly, it was weird. I was thinking, I was like, man, they haven't played in Boston for a while. Last time they played in Boston, if I'm not mistaken, was that yep. game right before the shutdown where Backlund was on a tear and scored that wicked shorthanded goal. Makes and he also made uh Brad Marchand his bitch. He bitch slapped Brad bad. Remember that was like that was the game before COVID hit. It was and like we were, the, yeah, I remember it perfectly. And we were well. starting to like play really good. We were, we were awesome starting, for like five or six games. We were starting to get really excited, and then COVID. <laughs> Anyways, um, Vladar quietly gets another shutout. Octaves. I, I say quietly because I mean, there's so much talk about how the team's playing, and it's true, but he saw it again tonight. I mean, he. I don't know if he made many ten bellers. Just the team play was great tonight, but he was also solid. Seven shutouts between him and Marshall. Unbelievable! Like it's unreal. Like holy shit! You know, it's just like the three. Like it's just. Everything is working so well. It's just weird. It's like, it, it's like, and again, like they're, they've still lost eight games, but Look, game to game, it's just like, you. it's so consistent. It is. Even people who were big Sutter fans going into the season would have not predicted this, this, this playing this well, this early on. Hey, okay? no, I it's don't think so. Like, I think we both, if there's two bigger Sutter supporters in the world, I don't know who they are outside of us. And we were even very nervous about heading into the season. Like no geo that D looks really rough. You didn't add enough scoring. Is Markstrom going to be able to handle it? Was well, like, there were so many question marks and it's been 20 games almost. And it's just been like, so impressive. Sportsnet stats threw this up after the game. Calgary flames become the first NHL team since Offensive forward passes were allowed. That's two line passes, right? Oh my god! Yeah, in 1929, <laughs> to record to record seven shutouts in the first 19 games of a season. That's insane. That's insane, dude. That's insane. You have to be playing seriously good defensive hockey, and your goaltending has to be excellent. And world class. And what wins Stanley Cups? If you had to boil it down to two, like two factors, like the two biggest factors, goaltending and strong defense. <laughs> Should we plan the parade or what? Uh, dude, at this point, I don't even want to parade. I'm just glad to watch fun, good hockey. Like shit, no dude. shit, man. It's just enjoyable to watch the game for 60 minutes and win or lose. Be like, I'm glad I didn't waste my whole evening tonight. Although the Montreal game was one of those games. Yeah, it sucks. I was so mad after that. But we mentioned this before because we saw it in 1819. They were setting new records like every week. We're starting to see that already this season. I do. I'm going to go out and say this team's for real, dude. Yeah, 100%. I mean, now, I, I, I still have, I don't know. Like, I'm still a little worried that the wheels are going to fall off with, uh, that D at some point, um, and obviously the concern of scoring is always going to be there. You need Blake Coleman to pick it the fuck up there, bud. 
but get the um, fuck up, but the top yeah, line it, has been incredible. The goaltending has been incredible. The team defense has been incredible. Yeah. We could be in trouble if uh, knock on wood, any, you know, one of our top four D men is out for an injury. Yeah. But, um, fuck, they look good. They look really good. Good, smart hockey is being played right now. Okay. Um, Give us the game report for tonight, Boston. Well, again, like how, like, I'm just like, it's the Bruins and you play that well. You like, bitch slapped like, the Bruins at like, home. That is a game. Like I, we keep saying this and it's being over repetitive, but these are games that you would without a doubt last game of a road trip on back-to-back nights. Is there any way in hell this team wins this game for nothing in decisive fashion last year? No chance. So tonight was a Daryl Sutter special. I think tonight, even though the you know, like it wasn't the most dominant performance tonight, I think was a per like a perfect Daryl Sutter game. You win for nothing. Shot attempts 44 flames, 45 Bruins, scoring chances 21 flames, 15 Bruins, high danger chances, five apiece at five on five. Flames edge the Bruins an expected goal share at 53% to Boston's 47. Top game scores, Matthew Kachuk, Noah Hannafin, Elias Lindholm, Johnny Joe Rasmus Anderson. Just it was a mistake-free hockey game for the most part. And I haven't heard uh post-game Sutter yet, but I can rest assured I can't that, wait. Can rest assured that your head coach is not even impressed. Hey, okay? why? Because the bar is the Stanley Cup. That's the bar. So unless you actually challenge for that he's not going to be impressed that's that's the only regular season will not impress daryl sutter that's like after the game uh rick ball and whoever the color guy was they're you know kind of joking around it's okay daryl you can smile no he doesn't give a fuck they haven't won anything i mean you've heard him talk about it Unless you win the playoffs, you haven't won anything. That's why Sidney Crosby is still the best player in the world, Connor. How many playoff games have we won in the last 10 years? Five. Connie McDaisy. I just saw this. I don't know. I, I just saw this, I think, yesterday. Connie? It's a pretty good name, eh? For Connie? Connor? I'd like it more if it wasn't just like a Conroy reference. True. Okay, let's um let's go to the to the other two games that we haven't covered yet. Um, you know, our schedule was kind of screwed up. We could have snuck a uh, Buffalo and Philly recap in there, but you kind of wanted to wait and see how the rest of the road trip went because you kind of saw everything so far. With the Canadian swing through Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa, I saw a little bit of everything. And then after Philly and Buffalo, you kind of see more of everything. You kind of are curious to see, well, how's the road trip going to end? But um, look at the road trip as a whole. So what'd they go? They went 4-2-1. and 4-2-1, and one, man. And that is a tough-ass road trip. I would take that. I'll take that every day, like all season long. All season long. So they play in Philly. You got the the game report for Philly. 
Yeah, again, this is the, – the games like the ones we see in Philly are the ones that – that's how the Flames are going to lose, right? Like Johnny had, what, 10 shots? Well, they, and they were still a good game. They, it was great. Like the first period, I thought that was one of the best first periods the Flames has played like all season. They were all over it, but you just can't make it happen. So the game ends. The Flames have 38 shot attempts to Philly's 48. The Flames have 22 scoring chances to Philly's 20. High danger chances, the Flames have nine to Philly's eight. Um, and the expected goal share slightly goes to the Flames. Or it's like almost 50-50, actually. Well, yeah, it was a good game. It was. It was a good game to watch. And it's like, goddamn, those those overtime games that we can't seem to win anymore. But yo, I keep telling this people, there's no three on three in playoffs. So who gives a shit? Good point. Yeah. Bring more five on five. Yeah. But um, we're starting to see a bit of it because it's been on this road trip that Shillington is now getting PP2 time. Oh, man. It's been on this road trip that now Shillington's getting some OT time. If he continues to perform the way he is offensively, I don't understand how – is it just a matter of time till he's PP1? Like, I put him on he... PP1. Like I, We both don't really like grass and stuff there. And then make him your main guy for OT. Yeah. Imagine uh, Lindholm, Johnny, and Shillington. Like any mistake that Shillington might make, he's gonna get back in position with his speed. Well, how many to- how many times in overtime do you have to see Rasmus Anderson like fuck up and not be able to get back? <laughs> well, and look, he's a hell of a lot faster than he was last season. Like he's been he, he's, awesome this season. He's but. but he's not fast enough for three yeah. on three, man. No, no. With with the speed he's competing with. Like, if he jumps up on the plate, he's not getting back in time. There's no fucking way. Yeah, he would be my third guy to go to. Like, I don't even know if I'd play him in overtime. Put Tanev out there. Put it like, man, no. No no more yeah. Rasmus on four and four or three no. and three. Seen enough. I mean, the the OT loss against Philly, it's a, you know, we it's the same goal Hannafin scored, right? But I don't even mind that loss, dude. Like, yeah, I don't mind that loss. Johnny was fantastic. You just couldn't bury. You couldn't find a way to bury one. And it helps when the next game you come out and you absolutely smash Buffalo. Yeah, totally. Like if that game you come out and then like can't score again the next game, but the next game you come out and absolutely destroy the Sabers, then you're feeling a lot better about picking up that point. Game report against Buffalo: thirty-three shots at Buffalo's twenty-seven. Again, you win the special teams one for two. They're zero for two. What is? I guess. Islanders scored a power play goal. How many power play goals did they allow on this road trip? Maybe like two. The, like the, and they, they have that, what, 20 attempts? The, the officiating was terrible. I guess they allowed what? Did they allow one against Montreal in that shithole game? I can't even remember so long ago. But man, watching the penalty kill is enjoyable. <laughs> Literally, it's, it's actually enjoyable. It's weird, eh? Like, oh, play, we, got a yeah. we got a penalty. I can't wait to watch this penalty. Kill. It's either Markstrom's amazing or the Flames are just on it. So the Flames currently in raw percentage, fifth in the league. 87.5% clip. They're killing penalties. Nuts. Oh, man. Unbelievable. Can you check PP too? While you're, while you're there. Their PP is currently top 10 as well, sitting at number six, 24.6%. Six. Six. If you are sixth and fifth, and special teams with the best five-on-five five team, one of the best five-on-five five teams in the league, and your goaltending is world-class, 
sign me up. And just for reference, in the two seasons where they were primarily coached under Jeff Ford, their power play sat at 18th in the league and the old penalty oh. kill at 10th. So not the worst, but not where it needs to be at all, especially when they weren't a particularly good five-on-five team. 58 to 40 were the shot attempts against Buffalo, 24 to 14. Nine to seven or 24 to 14 was the, the scoring chances, nine to seven high danger. Andrew Mondriopani <laughs> had the highest game score, and Matthew Kachuk, Gaudreau, Tanev, Backland. Fuck. Mondriopani, Johnny gets the breakaway goal. Mondriopani gets a, that uh, that backhand where I don't know how he sh- hit his glove, but still went in. It was kind of lucky, but. Chucky scores a sick power play goal. Oh, yeah, that was sweet. That was nasty. Then Monchi Pawnee scores a sick two-on-one dish from Backland. Wide open net. That was sweet, too. Holy shit. And then that Johnny, fifth goal from Johnny, power play pass from Monahan cross crease. That was sick, too, man. That was a sick game. Yeah, and some, like... Some fun <laughs> hockey, dude. That's, those wins are fun. Why is Buffalo so empty? They like, geez, man, there's a mausoleum Dude, in there. Holy that shit. That was brutal. That was worse than Florida. That was so bad. So my question to you, I think we're what 19 games in now? Played 19 games. Just as a fan, not even like you know, we're doing a podcast and we analyze stuff, just as a fan, emotionally speaking. Where are you at? I'm at the best place I've been in a long. In a long ass time, man. I didn't even think about Bratchy living on a day to day basis. It's unbelievable. Eh? Yeah, like honestly, I don't. I haven't even been checking the standings. Like you say, we're top of the division right now. I've just kind of been enjoying watching the Flames game again. You know, looking forward to games, and it's just been enjoyable to watch them play consistent, hard working, hard hockey. Where would you guess we rank in the league? Oh, we got to be top 10. 10? Fourth. 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 <laughs> wow. Fourth, baby. Well, I guess we what? Got, they've only lost how many games in regulation? Four? Three? We, we've played a couple more games than those below us, but even still, our winning percentage is 7. Uh, Jeez Louise, dude. 7.711. Crazy. So you posted this uh, before. The last two games of the road trip, the forward wins above replacement leaders. Combined sample of 2021 and 2122. Yeah, man. You're, you just think about the top players in the league. So your number one is Connor McDavid is 7.1 wins above replacement. So what the stat essentially is saying is that if Connor McDavid's on your team, you win seven games single handedly pretty much because just because of Connor McDavid's on your team. That's a lot of games. That's a lot. He wins you seven extra games if he's on your team. Austin Matthews, number two at 6.7. Leon Drysaddle, 5.7. With the, just Leon and Connor, that's uh, 14, 14. Well, that's how they win, right? Like, that's, that's how they play. That's, so That's how they make the playoffs, just yeah. by those two. Alex Abrinkit, number four at five. Barkov and Andrew Mangiapane tied for fifth. 4.6 games above replacement. Johnny Goudreau also cracked. Cracks the top 10. So Braden Point, Marshawn Pavelski, then Johnny Gaudreau. Speaking of Pavelski, I think it was Kent Wilson saying if Dallas still struggles down the stretch, 
Is he not the perfect guy? He'd be almost absolutely get? perfect. You need to goals. Almost get to almost get you being the key. Was that's what you that was your retort, wasn't it? Yeah. He'd be perfect to almost get. Hey, he'd be great to have on the power play. Almost. Dude, almost would be great for in Monaghan's spot. No, like I honestly like this team's gonna keep it up. There's no, there's he, Brad Chevy has to do something. This is like, there's, it's no excuse time anymore. I still don't know if he knows how, dude. But like, like here's, dude, here's, he's got to. Here's the other thing, though. Now that the team is playing so well, a lot of his latest additions look really good. Like, after last season, Tanev looked like a great addition. He did. Well, Mark Markstrom, real good. You're kind of on the fence. But after 20 games of this season, you're like, holy shit, man, he was right on the ball for Tanev and Markstrom and totally worth the dollar amount we're paying him. I don't think he's overpaying those guys currently. Oh, man, Tanev has earned – dude, Tanev has out-earned his contract by millions of dollars already. You look at the other additions he made in the offseason, both Branson <laughs> and Pitlick. Um, sure, he could have done more to beef up the bottom six, but hey, if you're if it's working, it's working currently. I don't know what's our cap situation. What can he do? Does he still need to move somebody out if he needs to add? Like, what's a guy like Joe Pavelski make? Does he make six million? Oh, uh, he makes a lot. I think Joe Pavelski's in what the seven range right now. He's so on an expiring he, deal. So you you can't even unless you swap him for a guy like Monahan somehow, but you can't even get Pavelski. Or get Dallas to retain some salary. So yeah, Pavelski's making seven right now is his AAV. So you'd need to make some room. But I mean, like, I think it is time because we have this discussion all the time. Okay, when do you add? Because like when you're good, you always hear the people, oh, chemistry. Yeah. Okay, well, when you're bad, they don't add. If you're good and you don't add and you're bad and you don't add, when do you add? Okay. Well, I wanted to talk about this because this is this is something that gets brought up when you're good like Reno, right? Because even, even on this Pavelski thread, someone was saying, well, why would you want to bring in anybody right now? You don't need anybody. And the answer to that, and, they, and people are actually concerned that if you bring in somebody, it's going to disrupt the chemistry in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chemistry in the room is Daryl Sutter. That's it. There is no chemistry. It's called Daryl Sutter has a really good system and has them executing it well. It's not because these guys are all chumming it up that they're playing good hockey because we've seen them chum it up for the past five years and do dick. The only thing that's changed is the head coach and the system and the style and actually having preparation and goals and a guy that knows what he's doing. So if in theory you bring in good players, they're going to fit in just fine. Well, come on. Chemistry in the room. You're telling me if they replaced Pavelski with Monaghan, you're not an instant far superior team. At this point, man, like I'm going to give Sean eight more games. I don't know, man. Like he, I don't, I want him to do good, and he's just, like, not good for the most part. Like, there was that one play tonight where 
he's got the puck between his blue line and the red line. And all he has to do is just headman the puck up like three feet to Milan Lucic. And he's three feet away. And then you have a two on one and he, he can't even make a tape to tape pass and he aces it. Like that's Sean Monahan in a nutshell. Sure. He is. He is contributing offensively on the power play, I guess, but you know, he, he did generate that one play tonight where he, had the puck near the blue line, and he kind of held on, held on, got a good shot through. It's creating a scoring chance. But my uh, my time, my rope with him is definitely getting shorter. Won't write him off completely yet, maybe eight more games. But I do like the switch between flipping him with Backlund. I think Monaghan could do better with a couple of guys like Goudreau and – or. Uh, Dubé and Pitlick. Yeah, he can't. He can't keep up with uh, Coleman, Mangiapane, <laughs> and I mean those are the kind of the lines most most everybody was anticipating. Yeah, heading into the season. So, and I think they've I hit. Think, they hit. I think they've hit a new gear since they flipped those lines because that was yeah, totally. Buffalo. And you're going to maximize again. Coleman needs to start scoring, but you're going to maximize what you're getting from. And that was the concern with putting Monahan there too. Is like, hey, what do you want from that line? You want them to be one of the best five on five lines in the whole planet that's what they will be if they continue to stick together um so i think that maximizes everybody's skill set well and a guy like backland he usually takes what 20 games to kind of get get it going yeah it's showing signs of getting it going now so if if backland can you can get him up to up to speed again then that line that top six is going to be pretty fucking good and backland has a propensity to play better with better players which i don't know if monahan <laughs> does doesn't seem like it. So the schedule is kind of weird because you play seven games in 11 nights on the road and the league rewards you by giving you one day off to travel and play a game at home on Tuesday night. But then you get three days off. But if you look at the December schedule, it is, it is packed, dude. It's wild. They play yeah. so many games in December. They don't travel... Um, Either they play like 15 games in December. It's nuts. 15 games. Um, looks like eight of them at home. And then the rest are on the road, but they're all in the Pacific, except for Chicago, Nashville. So I don't know. I mean, you always hear this thing in hockey and sports and life, even it's just like you don't get too high, don't get too low. And um it's funny, like this po- this podcast, <laughs> right? Um, it's that it, that's the how the podcast is starting to look. Hey, it's a lot different than you go listen to like the, the first what twenty games after last season or even the season before. But my God, they look good, and if they can continue to build, and I think still Brad True Living, I don't want to hear any bullshit that we believe in this group. That's why he didn't yeah. do anything. If hey, if, if he comes out and even admits we didn't do anything because we couldn't, I'll be fine with that. Yeah, but don't feed me the bullshit. Don't feed me the bullshit that you didn't add when you were good because you believe in the group. Because if you believe in the group, then you fucking put all your chips in the middle, especially like fuck. I don't know. I haven't looked at those um Stanley Cup. What are they? What are they? The uh, percentage of winning the Stanley Cup? Those things. <laughs> the Flames are the highest, I think, on Money Puck, right? Yeah. 
to make the playoffs, what we got to be at what top five? Anyways, uh, right now, let's let's close it out with that. Give us those stats and luck. Yeah, we don't want to get too high, too low because a lot of those stats are just based on how the team's currently playing. Yeah, but I just don't see. And sure, there's going to be dry spells, like you said. You've called it. The biggest weakness this team will have is goal scoring, consistent on a consistent basis. But you're starting to see a little bit of secondary scoring, and if they can continue to win the special teams each night, that will be key for maintaining this pace. Well, and just one last thing on the chemistry thing. Like anytime I've ever heard of a big acquisition and other players talking about it. Like, I've never heard, like, oh, we're really bummed to get player X, you know? Like, man, really upset. Like, all the guys are always like, holy shit. Yeah, it's always the opposite. Like, I remember I was a big Dallas Stars fan when I was was a kid. And, like, I remember watching, like, video VHS tapes of when they they acquired Joe Neuendijk that year. Like, all the guys were like, holy shit, now we're for real. You know? It's like, we got a guy like this, so... I don't know. I've never bought the chemistry thing. So the Flames currently <laughs> up on Money Puck. Uh, it must have changed a little bit from the other day because they're currently sixth <laughs> in the Stanley Cup odds behind Colorado at one, Florida at two, Washington three, Tampa Bay five or four, Carolina five, Calgary uh, six. That's some pretty damn good company. Dude, like honestly, the way we're playing, I would bet we'd beat the Oilers in a seven-game series. Currently, yeah. Especially since I, I would love to play them again now because yeah. you only lost because of your special teams, but that was game one of the season, and the special teams has been so good. Be curious, I'd be curious to see how they I can't wait for that game, that December game. Oilers and Flames can't fucking wait. That game, oh, December 27th. Yeah. So that's a ways away. Okay. Um, that's gonna be it for, for today. Close us out with a final thought there, Mike. Hey, Jord, I'm uh I love Daryl Sutter. That's all. I'm gonna name my son Daryl. Is it almost time to do another unfinished business? Whatever you call it. Montage. Montage. Sounds like no. it might be sounds like it might not be time. Yet. Not yet. Not let's quite. Give another, let's give it another, another month. 20, let's give it another 20 games. Yeah, we're a quarter Look. through. We're almost a quarter through the season. Let's get half and see where we're at. Early, yeah, early on in the season, what we were doing pretty good at the stretch. We said, well, we'll hold our horses. Let's see what happens in the first 10 games. Now you've played 20. 30 games in. That's that'll be the next the next one. Eh? See how we do in December. 